Greetings, adventurers. This is OGRPG. Where we journey into the realms of 8, 16, and 32-bit RPGs. I'm Abby. And I'm Nick. And this week's game is part two of our coverage of Ultima 4, Quest of the Avatar for the NES. And we're back. <laughs> um, I just wanted to start this episode off because while editing, I realized that I forgot to mention what company brought this game to the NES. Ultima 4 was originally made at Origin Systems, I believe, but it was FCI slash Pony Canyon who ported it to the NES. I believe the same people who ported Ultima 3, Ultima Exodus, to the NES as well. So, sorry. Video game history aficionados out there if I let you down, but I, I got it this week. <laughs> I think that's kind of understandable. I mean, it was on a lot of systems, so I think, I don't know. Th this game just has so much. Sure, sure. Yeah. 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 So. <laughs> Without further ado, I guess we can dive right into our personal history with Ultima 4. So, Abby, what's your history with this game? Well, like many games that is covered by Cartridge Command, um, I mostly watched it over your shoulder or heard it, heard the soundtrack as I was going in and out of each room or occasionally get cornered in the kitchen so you can tell me, you know, what's going on in your <laughs> game. But funnily enough, when we talk about the manual, that's going to be the, the depth of my personal history, you know, in the past. So more recently, obviously, I played the game. I had two starts. First start, I was trying to go around and, and get everybody in my party. Second time around, I went solo with Iolo. Oh, nice, nice. What about you, Nick? Uh, well, this was a game I owned as a youth. I played a lot of it, but never beat it. It was a game that me and one of my buddies would just waste tons of time playing you know kind of like uh the aforementioned ultima 3 exodus uh i also owned that for nes and you know they were both these kind of weird games that we didn't really understand but they were fun enough kind of to just wander around and uh, to explore britannia so I, I had a lot of fun with it and i was i was really obsessed with it but again never beat it and as for my more recent history, I have beaten this game. Um, I beat it at least 10 years ago at some point during a, one of those, I, I always wanted to beat this game, and I finally got the energy and drive, and I did it, and discovered many of the exploits you can use to make it super easy. But And then more recently, I played through it again. Um, I didn't go solo. I used the bard as my main character, and I also had a tinker, a druid, and a mage. So more about that in a different section. But yeah, I beat this game. I, I don't know how many hours I probably put into it. Um, 10 maybe? 10, 12? If you know where you're going, that cuts a lot of the guesswork and time out of this game. So th there is that. Yeah, I, I found it to be one of the shorter RPGs that I've played uh, in the past. Sure, yeah, I, I can see that, definitely. Especially, again, as we said, if you I think originally it was, was intended to last longer because you'd have to, you know, like any RPG, explore a bit and find 
figure things out for yourself. So, you know, that that's what a big part of this game is finding clues. And if you don't need them... <laughs> Right now, Nick, um, tell me something about the manual for this game. I'll tell you quite a few things, Eddie. <laughs> um, well, first of all, I, I would like to say that as I owned this game, and, and you know as well as I do, that I still have this manual. Somehow it, it made it through all the years in some box, and finally one of my or my mom or my dad gave it to me when they found it. Still hanging in there, uh, pretty beat up, missing a couple uh, pages on the inside and outside, but it's a great manual. Uh, it's one of the things I loved about this game. It's 80 pages, so it's one of those big, thick, full-size manuals, not the little booklet booklet, but... Yeah, that's sort of... Um... I guess I, I would call that my personal history with this game is that, you know, once you had the manual, I mean, it's fun to just look at even not knowing what it's, uh, you know, really about, you know, full of uh, pictures, diagrams, explanations of magic and, and <laughs> battles and stuff like that. I mean, I would just pour over the manual like it was a little book. Sure. And then once you <laughs> once you were uh, wanted to get me to play this game, you know, as soon as you said, oh, yeah, it's the game um, that that manual is from. Um, yeah. And then that that definitely got me into it. So like you were saying or like I was saying, I guess, um, you know, there's a whole lot in this manual besides oh, yeah. Yeah. it's not just uh, controls, but it's also going to give you some pretty big chunks of the game to, to help get you started. It is one of the types of manuals we got with a lot of RPGs on the NES where they were very worried that people wouldn't know what an RPG is or how to play it. So it's very, like it comes with a bit of a walkthrough. A lot of it, you know, this manual itself can save you a lot of time because there's just these concepts and things and clues that you can already get from the manual that you would normally have to search out in the game. It looks great. It's almost entirely, I believe, illustrated by my favorite, one of my favorite artists of all time, Shuji Imai. He did the Howard and Nestor comics in Nintendo Power, the, uh, the original artist anyways. And, uh, it, it all looks great here. Um, this manual's got everything, you know, there's a bit of story, which we've kind of touched on before, but basically the first three games in the Ultima franchise were the heroes on behalf of Lord British defeating these three different like evil wizards. They were all, you know, there was, oh, man, I'm trying to remember their name. The villain of the first game, basically, and then his two apprentices were the second and third ones and then after that the world used to be called Sosaria and it had a big you know evil was destroyed and the, the whole map was changed and stuff so now we got the this map of the world with these towns called Britannia and this takes place way after that and the world is kind of it's like the good guys won so it's after the thing after the big conflict but now people are lackadaisical so to speak and they want that's why that's part of the avatar quest is to perfect yourself to provide a role model i guess for everyone else all these other lazy loafers yeah it's sort of uh maintaining the peace yeah. that was accomplished you know in the the three previous games and depending on i, I don't know how i'm not sure if this game touches on but a, a lot of the the classic ultima story is that you are a person referred to as the stranger you're from our world and you get sent here you know 
that tarot card reading at the beginning in the other versions typically takes place at like a renaissance fair you just kind of wander into this thing and uh some sort of magical lady reads your cards and then you're warped into britannia to be the the avatar so that's kind of uh interesting but yeah so this thing goes through tells you all about the characters you know you get a bit of history it goes through you get maps of every town you get all a full monster spell equipment runes you know virtues it explains the virtues very well um there's also a great feature on this game in nintendo power that i also poured over like we've kind of talked about the virtues and we've avoided the the principles so far which we'll we'll tackle here uh at some point but it, it may sound weird and abstract but there's a great venn diagram of all the virtues and how they fit together into the the principles that makes it so much easier to understand it's uh, a picture is truly worth a thousand words so i might i might have to I might have to post a picture of that on like Twitter or Facebook or something. I don't know, just to help out some people see what I'm blathering on about. But yeah, so this is a big, thick, awesome manual. I, I recommend it to fans of instruction manuals in general. But if you're looking to get into this version of the game, it's it's nice to look at a scan or if you're lucky like I do, have it on hand. Um, because it does have a lot of useful information and it is kind of hard to find info online about this version of the game because there's so many versions and they all kind of bleed together and while a lot of info from certain versions you know can apply to other ones the nes one seems to be one of the odd ones out kind of it's the the most simplified i think of any of the ones i've found which is good and bad as we'll discuss mm -hmm. later but yeah check out this manual i recommend it to a fellow reader mm. Okay, next. So at the start of the game, I know um, our most recent playthroughs, we both started with the Bard. Yes, we, we kind of mentioned it last week where we, we started in Britain and it's a, a, a fine little town. <laughs> and if uh, unlike us, you don't start with the Bard, this is where you go to get the Bard in your party. Oh, sure. Yeah. And, you know, Britain has a lot of amenities. Um, we've talked about inns a bit. I mean, I'm sure everyone assumed they would be in this game, and they are. And it's kind of interesting because the inns here in Britain, and I believe everywhere, only cost 20 gold pieces. There's no inflation in this game. <laughs> but inns also do not fully restore your HP. They only give you about 100 or so, which is a lot. But want to be careful if you're expecting a full heal. You have to go to Lord British for that. Another useful thing um, that inns provide is, uh, you know, information and clues. Like, I think every one of the inns in the game has, like, a little bar cafe area where there's going to mm -hmm. be, you know, other characters at tables and standing around that you can ask for information. But also, um, at the bar, there's a barkeep, so you can you can buy a drink. Mm -hmm. And, of course, uh, you can leave a tip. Yeah, which uh, yeah, yeah, which is is gonna help your your virtues as well, and and get get you some clues. Um, oh yeah, sure. If you give them a a bigger tip, then they might drop a bigger clue. There are there are certain places where you'll get a hint to be like leave like leave coins many at the Jalome Tap. So if you go there, you know, throw some money their way. This town has the Rune of Compassion is in it. You'll straight up be told by a by a, a villager that it's at the foot of the stairs of the inn. So you just have to search there and you got your first room for free. Yeah, so search at the bottom of the stairs. So this is an action you're going to use 
as the search action. So you'll get clues to go to a place and you just have to make sure you're at that exact spot and search yeah. where you are. Like you you won't see anything in the environment that would lend itself to um, to doing that spontaneously. You, you search depending on what people tell you and yeah. to open up chests. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I guess we, we could have mentioned that before some of these <laughs> you have a pretty extensive menu selection here um besides you know you have your talk search um and various other commands most of them are just like lists where it's like see what runes you have you can look at any of your spell recipes and other assorted things but searching will be a commonly used one of them but uh this town offers a healer so you know i never really use them they're expensive they heal you some hp for 70 gold which is much more than the end you can get your poison cured here or resurrect someone who has fallen that's standard across all healers but their real function is to let you donate blood to get some sacrifice points uh, you probably won't be able to do it right away because you have to have i'm not sure if it's just 300 or over 300 hp before they will even ask you so you might have to gain a level or two to be able to do that but my rule of thumb is just anytime you see a healer in a town always give at least some blood every time you go through and your your, your sacrifice virtue will increase yeah your own blood <laughs> Um, and th there so, is a weapon and armor store, and there's not very many varieties of those. So I thought maybe we could run through the list real quick, if you don't mind. Yeah, I was going to say, where where else is there to spend money? <laughs> so let's talk about weapons. Um, the weakest one that many people start with and that everyone can use is a staff. It only costs 20 gold. You can find one here in Britain. Of note to players of the bard, you know, we keep talking about how great it is he starts with a sling, but we should remind you that you don't get a melee weapon. You only have a, a projectile one, so if, if enemies get close, you're only going to be doing like five or six damage. You probably want to pick up a staff. That'll put, bump you up to about 10 to 15. And for 100 gold, you can get the next more powerful weapon, the club. Probably doing, you're doing over, you're doing 20 to 25 damage in hand-to-hand, -hand, which is, is pretty good. Um, and that's, everybody can use that, right? That's another one, yes, that everyone can use. A um, little more selective is the axe. I never got any of these, did you? Nope. It's 225 gold. Only bards, fighters, tinkers, paladins, and rangers can use it. But, you know, our, our next weapon available, the sword, for 400 gold. I always kind of would skip it and go straight to there. And that's also usable by bard, fighter, tinker, paladin, and ranger. And then this is an interesting thing where in the original version, you know, our next weapon is the plus one sword, which really uses a Dungeons and Dragons parlance for magic weapons because it's not just adding one to anything. So it kind of doesn't make sense. I was already familiar with that stuff when I played this game. I believe all the plus one items, you know, like this plus one sword was just called magic sword originally. But I wonder why they changed it if it was just to save characters, save some text. I guess that could be. Yeah, it's just sort of a shorthand for those in the know. Yeah, yeah. Um, the plus one sword can only be used by the fighter, the tinker, the paladin, the ranger. But funnily enough, the plus two sword can be used by uh, all of those people, except for swap out the bard and... Oh yeah, yeah the fighter can't use it, but the, the fighter, bard can. Yeah, it's interesting. The fighter can't use a plus two sword, but the bard can. So sure. I got that from my bard. Sure, yeah, yeah. I always prioritize the melee weapons last. I, I always try to get 
my shooting weapons better. Um, but here's one that I specifically got the Tinker for because I'd never gotten or I'd never used this as a child is the plus one axe, or also known as the magic axe. Um, this is just a curious weapon, and uh, this was new to me, uh, at least when I played this game, is that it is similar to another weapon, the wand, in that it functions both as a melee and a projectile weapon, and only the Tinker and Paladin can use it. And so I, I gave that to my Tinker. It's pretty cool, but quite expensive at 3,500 gold. And even more expensive is the wand that I just mentioned. Uh, only the wizard and druid can equip it. But it is, yeah, like I said, super expensive, but very strong and, and super useful. So, you know, I, I just did a big grind where I'd be like, all right, I'm going to keep... Uh, I was doing dungeon runs into a certain dungeon we'll cover later. Uh, that's full of chests and you can make a lot of money there. So I'd just keep doing those over and over for like an hour. <laughs> so I got all this money. Yeah, I think maybe just... Uh you know go over again how you get money the main way is going to be um winning battles mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um after the battle there is a chest you open it and it's random from zero to 99 yeah or so, one to 99 one to 99 mm -hmm. zero <laughs> um so yeah so it's when we're saying like this is very expensive it's you know it's expensive in the time it's going to take you to to get all that money because you just can't count on getting this the same amount you know every yeah. time that you fight so that can be frustrating but i think the dungeon run you were mentioning that's kind of the only way to to know exactly how much money you're going to get that's like a uh, standard yeah because it's you open you get to a floor where there's like 20 some chests and you almost always get about 900 gold per run so and, and it's not too long but that, we can cover that in uh later as we get to the said dungeon and then just a few more weapons here there's what the game calls the plus two axe or was previously known as the Axe of Legend. Um, here you have to get a dragon scale and give it to a blacksmith named Zircon in the town of Minoc, and he will forge it for you, and it can only be used by the fighter. Very strong. It's in fact the strongest weapon aside from the Sword of Paradise, uh, which once you become the avatar, you just find it, or you can just claim it from the castle, the Lycium. All right, Abby, tell us about some bows. Uh, bows or, you know, uh, ranged projectile weapons. Um... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we did already uh, mention, you know, a sling. Uh, one good reason to start out with a bard is you get a sling. Starting with a ranged weapon is good. Um, so big time saver. Big time saver, yeah. Um, so if you were to buy a sling, that would be 90 gold. And as mentioned earlier, you know, the first um, melee weapon that you can get is a staff. And that was only like 10 or 20 gold, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so basically um, starting out with a sling is going to save you, you know, like 60 gold because <laughs> then you <laughs> just go buy the staff and then you're kind of fully equipped, at least for the beginning of the game. Next up for ranged weapons is a bow, and that's kind of pricey, I think, at um, 680 gold pieces. And that you're going to find in um, three different cities, Jalom, Trinzig, Vesper. So yeah, so you'll just hold off, I guess, for a little while. Then there's the... I, I call it the crossbow. Yeah, that's... Yeah. But it's, it's the X-bow. <laughs> they call it that. Yeah, when you see it on the on the screen in the menu, it's going to say X-bow, but it's a crossbow. Um, that one's uh, 1400 and you only find that in two places, the Buccaneer's Den and, and in Vesper as well. Um, yeah, and uh, both the bow and crossbow... Are only... Yeah, they can be equipped by everyone except for... The wizardess and the shepherdess. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and then the final one we have is the plus one bow. 
That's 4,000 gold. It's only at the Buccaneer's Den. And there's only four characters that can use that one, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, the Bard, the Druid, the Paladin, and the Ranger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that's it for ranged weapons. And they all just get stronger than the previous one. That's the only real difference. The ranges mm-hmm. are all maxed out. You know, there's nothing crazy there. What about for armor, Nick? Well, armor, what a great subject. I'll tell you what. Uh, the weakest one you can get is cloth. I think everyone starts with at least that, and it can be equipped by everyone. I didn't find it necessary to upgrade my armor as much because you know, all it does is reduce the damage you take, right? And mm-hmm. especially in the first, wow, half the game or so, or really if you keep leveling up, you have so many hit points, it really doesn't matter. And I, I, The armor is so expensive for what it gives you. I, I just wonder about the economic savings it truly gives you from you know having to heal less. Yeah, I, I didn't find it beneficial really or... I I didn't find it um, had a negative impact on me because, you know, you start out with one armor and then eventually you're just going to be, you know, given or claim the armor of Avatar Hood, the uh, exotic armor. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, yeah, really, you can go the whole game until you get until you get uh, the best the best armor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it will definitely help you. But to upgrade, of course. But I just did it as once I had my main expenses you know mainly being upgrading as many ranged weapons as i could as early as i could then later as the money comes in from just fighting enemies you know upgrade the armor when you can it's you know it's nice but the first upgrade you can get for 200 gold is the leather armor it can be used by everyone except for the wizard and shepherdess for 600 gold you can upgrade to chain and only the fighter tinker and paladin can use that and then interestingly for 800 gold you can get ring or like ring mail armor Mm -hmm. and the druid paladin and ranger can use it it's uh it's kind of weird i I always thought ring mail, at least again referring back to D&D, was worse than chain mail, but not in the land of routine. Um, there's plus one cloth, the magic cloth. That's 1,200 gold. It's expensive, but it's worth it because it's the best armor for the wizardess and the bard. So it's worth it for them. For 2,500, you can get plate mail for a fighter, a tinker, or a paladin. Pretty good. The tinker and paladin can also spend 4,000 gold for plus one chain. So getting up there, that's the best that the tinker can do. And only the paladin can equip the plus one plate. 7,000 gold. That's expensive, man. Probably not worth it. But (laughs) a much cheaper alternative is the magic robe. And that's the special armor that only the shepherd can wear. But it is the best armor that you can get. I had a friend in middle school who always called it a tank without a gun. So you can just send her out there to get beat up. But it's uh, it's pretty cool. And it's free. You can get it like almost right away as soon as you have a magic key. And of course, for avatars only, the exotic armor. You find that in Empath Abbey. And you get it for free as well. So yeah, you'll see all of these fine things available throughout various different towns. Um, here in Britain, you can buy a sling, a staff, or a sword. So, And it is the only town you can buy slings. Well, this, you, know, you always want to stop by here for many reasons. You also get some clues throughout the game where you know we mentioned you need to get the eight stones. And although this little part of the puzzle is totally spoiled in the manual, but what color of each stone is kind of a puzzle that you would try to sort out by talking to people, but... And we kind of mentioned that there's the Shrine of Compassion to the east. I think we talked about that last week. Uh, you can head over there. I didn't right away. In fact, my, my first part of uh, every game of this is, you know, kind of doing a tour of every town. I want to go around and recruit the people I want in my party. Um, and if you get, if you have a full party and you 
recruit someone else, they'll just go and wait for you in Lord British's castle. So you can switch them in and out there if you so desire. I don't know why, but you could. But going around to all these towns, usually via Moongate, talking to everyone, getting clues. And I've always found that by the time you get back and maybe do some grinding for money, that's what I did. By the time you get back, you're usually ready for avatar hood and at least one virtue so you can start going around to shrines then that's kind of like round two is traveling around to shrines but yeah that's sort of how i did it too yeah yeah just go everywhere talk to everybody you know if they mention something that's uh really close by then get it or you know they'll give you clues like there's something in this town or just outside of this town that you can you can get yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, just kind of doing these like cycles, like starting out at Lord British's castle and then go around the world, come back and then go around the world again. <laughs> <laughs> and while you can choose to walk anywhere, um, we've mentioned before, there's moon gates by most of these towns. So you can take one. Um, I went to the town of you first. Do you, do you recall where your first destination was? Yeah, or? I did go to the town of you. And you know what? I didn't use a moon gate to get there. Oh. Yeah, you can you can walk to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, um, I mean, you can walk to it from... It's not far from Br Britain. Britain, yeah. You can go from Britain to you. And actually, it has that fun... Um, map animation dynamic we talked to uh, talked about earlier about mm -hmm. you know in the towns there'll be sections that are like in shadow you won't know what they are until you cross the threshold and that's sort of where the town of you is it's in a forest yeah so when you're approaching it it's just a, a shadow once you cross the threshold you can see what's there but only i think it's only like a like a 10 square radius around yourself so it's kind of like if you're going into that in, yeah it's just going right. into a, a spooky dark forest I, I thought that was really fun i i love it uh as well and yeah it has a little bit of like adventure you're not yeah. just like i'm walking through a forest you're like i'm actually feel kind of lost like it's it's so minuscule but it, it really it mm -hmm. counts for a lot for some nerds like me yeah and even if uh like i said i walked but if you do take the moon gate to you, you'll still have that effect where you can only see a few squares around yeah. yourself. So, yeah, I, I like it. Plus, so you is the the town, uh, the hometown of the Druid, mm -hmm. uh, Jana. Yeah. So it's just kind of goes along with that theme. You know, you would think of a Druid as being, you know, in a deep, dark sure. forest and secluded. And um, so I, I think it's really good. I agree. It's my favorite town, um, at least map-wise. There's a lot of those trees, so it really makes you feel like you're like, there's secrets to be found here. One of which is the Rune of Justice. You cannot get it yet. Um, it is hidden in a jail cell that you, you have to have the magic key to get in. Um, the magic key is a one-time this is a little different than the other versions too. You you know here you buy a magic key for two thousand gold, expensive I know, but in the previous ones they, it was more like in Dragon Warrior they were disposable items you used per door. So it's kind of nice to just have the one you can use it to open up. Talk to the prisoner Vorpal and he'll tell you that the Rune of Justice is in his cell. And you're pointed that way by some villagers. You get to meet like there's a little court with Talford the Druid of Justice. You know that there is a healer available here as well as an inn. And you know you get some other clues, some spell stuff. Pretty cool. Uh, one clue you get in here. This was the first time I encountered this, but it was um, mentioning a specific latitude and longitude for the location of something. Oh yeah. Yes, there's that guy, Calumny of You. And at first he'll just talk to you, but then it's like you have to go talk to some other people, I think, and mm -hmm. come back to him, and he'll give that to you. And you need to purchase 
a sextant to find that those mm-hmm. coordinates and then you, that's where you can get free man root yeah so there so then again there that he's not going to offer that information right away you got to talk to other people things like that that's um you know that kind of cyclical you know going around talking to everybody repeating going to places you've been to for talk to people you've been talking to <laughs> yeah, yeah repeatedly because yeah because often they'll give something new up just from doing that sure so yeah the the repetition is um not only worth it but it's it's fun yeah yeah because right now you know like we said you want to get that key but it's going to be a while until you can afford it so right now going around to all the towns feeling out you know kind of metroidvania style seeing where you need to backtrack to later and then if we're hopping on the moon gates from you we can go to we can go back to britain you can go to the town of jelome or you can warp right back to you it's a kind of weird if you were to go to jelome see what you got this is where you can get Geoff the Fighter. This is a fighter town, hometown of Valor. Mm-hmm. It's kind of out on an island. This is on the western, southwestern kind of side of, of Britannia. So, of course, if, you know, this is uh, where you're going to get the Rune of Valor. And the Shrine of Valor is uh, is nearby on an island. Yeah, and you do need the key for that rune as well, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, you do have a healer. You have a weapon store where you can get a bow, staff, axe, or sword. And you can buy leather, chain, or plate at the armor shop. Oh, and this is one of the towns you get. Uh, everyone talks about this mysterious man in black who, um, he, he, I don't know, uh, several different towns. People have little stories about him. And here, one of them tells you about him. And it's basically a little kind of text chain that is about the spell of tremor and getting the ingredients. So here the person says he was looking for man root. So, you know, that's one of the, it's one of those bad boys. So keep, take note of that. And where can you go from Jalome? Leave me Jalome. <laughs> Jalome. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we can go to Scarabray. This is the Rangers hometown. So you can pick up Shamino here. This is a very, this is one of my least favorite towns. It's like super flat and it doesn't have, I mean, I, we've talked about this before where it's, you know, a little more finesse than Dragon Warrior, but where you're in a town, there are buildings and you can't see inside them until you enter. But that's not true here. So it makes me wonder where I'm like, these aren't roofed buildings. They're just like little stone walls around. It's it's kind of got a hippie commune vibe, I guess. Kind of cool <laughs> in a way. Um, you can buy regents here and there is a healer, but mostly clues, you know. Um, so this one is unique in that, so it's the town of spirituality and the associated, uh, rune and stone. They're not there. They're not there in the, in the town, but you'll get some hints as to they're either stolen or just went missing somehow, but they've been relocated. So you get some clues as to where you're going to find those. I I don't remember the source of the clue, but I know that the, the rune of spirituality is in Castle Britannia. There's like a secret door you go through and there's a bunch of treasures and there's one spot where there's no treasure. And if you search there, that's where the rune is and avoid all the treasures. You'll lose virtues. You can talk to the Ankh in the center of town. Its name is Silver Spirits, and it tells you travel the moon gates during two full moons, which if you know your, your moon phases, you know that the moon gate only appears near Minoc on a full moon. So if you go there in two full moons, we'll just warp you to the Shrine of Spirituality. That's where it is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah crazy stuff we get another clue in regards to uh the man in black and his search for the ingredients for the the tremors spell uh-huh. so basically they just tell us the the other two ingredients that are needed for that spell so yeah and yeah good info if you want to check it out you can warp to you can warp you can moon gate your way over to minoc now 
this is the starting town of the Tinker. The you'll you'll find the the Rune of Sacrifice is hidden here. It's in a a forge. You have to take some fire damage to walk in and search for it. I, I think, but that's clued up here as well. There's a weapon shop where you can get the club, the axe, the plus two sword, and the plus one axe. So some high quality stuff here. Uh, also, the uh, the blacksmith Zircon is located here, and we mentioned before that if you give him the dragon scale, he'll be able to forge that into the plus two axe. Yeah, so, which is not only a very strong, but it's a money saver. <laughs> well, who can use that? I forgot already. Oh, uh, just, just the fighter. Just mm. G off the just fighter. Just G off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so from Minoc, you you can warp. Like we mentioned, you can go to the Shrine of Spirituality if you want, or are ready to now. Um, go back to Scarbray, or you can go to Trinzic, Town of Honor, and the home of the Paladin. You can find the Rune of Honor here. I'm trying to remember the the clue chain, but it's in a field. There's like a farmer, and you have to keep coming back and talking to him, and he'll eventually tell you where it is. Yeah, and then you just search that spot, and there it is. Yeah, and I mean, you can search there ahead of time if you know where it is. I, I did, but <laughs> you can buy at the weapon store, bow, club, axe, plus one sword, and the armor store, armor shop sells leather chain and ring armor. Oh, this is where there's a sailor in here who tells you, if you're looking for a sextant to leave big tips in the pub in Jalome. And our little tour of the eight virtuous towns is almost to an end. Um, next, from Trinsic, we can Moongate to Moonglow, which is a popular spot for me. It's the starting town of the mage. It's on a forested island in the east. Um, it's the town of honesty. You can find the room of honesty with a weird clue where this little girl's like, do you see it? And you say no, and she says, three steps south. Of what? But yeah. there is, <laughs> it is the, the mage Mariah is found standing on this like one patch of bricks in the middle of this grass. So you just go there and search. It's yeah, one of the more, I imagine there were better clues in previous versions of the game. So yeah, you can find that Rune of Honesty. There's the Spells Unlimited where you can enter in recipes that you have collected to put them in your spell book. You can buy reagents. There's a healer. And uh, but yeah, this is a place I went to quite frequently because there's a beggar, there's a healer and reagent. So you can work on a lot of on like honesty and other virtues by just going in being like, I gave to them. I gave some blood. I bought some regents. Like I started doing this where I would. OK, I need to buy 10 silk web, right? I just buy them one by one and give them an extra gold every time so that it was more. Oh, I get you know, it. It's mm -hmm. more interactions of generosity, I guess, in a way. But yeah, it but se seemed to work OK. Yeah, and you do have to walk out, you know, you have to, like, walk out of the town and then walk back in. You mm -hmm. can't just, like, stand there in the reagent shop and just, like, keep, you know, keep buying things over and over. Hey, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. You know, something I'm going to mention about Moonglow, um, we haven't mentioned yet about uh, ships and how they're manned by pirates. Well, um, yes. Moonglow, the shape of the the shape of the peninsula it's on, uh, you're basically always up against the shore. Mm -hmm. You'll see pirate ships um, sailing around in the, in the ocean, but if they reach a shore, you know, next to you, then you are just in a fight with some pirates now. And I found Moonglow was uh, a harder area to avoid them because, like I said, you're always walking along a shore just because all of the, just because of all the little yeah, peninsulas yeah. are so narrow which we can you know we may very well have leveled up to level four by now but that's what abby's talking about is as you adventure we mentioned that the encounter list of enemies so to speak like keeps getting bigger as you level up and when you get to the fourth level that's when pirates appear they're one of the 
you'll see pirate ships cruising around the seas and they're the only enemy you can truly see on the map but if they make contact with you it's really cool because you start with your characters like you normally would at the bottom of the battle screen but then there's like the ship on the other side and there's little boarding planks or whatever that you can you know you can walk onto the ship or but most of the time you just shoot them all to death before they can even disembark and yeah but it's cool you, you kill them then you get their ship while there are enemies out at sea, including other pirates that will cruise up, you get a neat little boat-to-boat action scene. And there's lots of sea monsters out there that you can fight, but I, you, it really kind of sucks. I try to avoid journeying by sea, unfortunately, because when you kill enemies, you get no gold. Right, because they're not <laughs> dropping a chest. Or if they do, it's going straight to the I bottom guess, of the yeah, ocean. Straight, yeah, <laughs> so no money there. You only get XP, and even that's kind of not the most valuable. You know, It's really the gold that you're grinding for at any given time. And should say, um, when you're sailing a ship, it's just uh, as long as you're holding you know, a direction, your ship is just like going full steam ahead in that direction. But when the pirates are sailing the ships, they just move like two squares at a time, pause, two squares. So you can... You can uh, sort of dodge them I guess or kind of maneuver a little bit but yeah like Nick says it's it's not really worth it uh, to fight pirates or sea monsters you're not going to get any money for it yeah yeah I thought we could take a quick little sidebar here because you start at level two and we haven't talked about the enemies you'd fight in this game at all really uh, they're all pretty simple the only real difference is some of them have range attacks and some have spells but they're all defined pretty cool because instead of you know this has a semi-tactical battle overhead viewpoint screen so you're not getting these like final fantasy or fantasy star detail monster pictures you're getting little icons you know they're little sprites just like you would see the same size as your characters and they look pretty good i really like the way they represent a lot you can almost always tell what they are and you'll fight lots of you know i think the toughest ones early on are etten's little two-headed creatures there's insects you fight some orcs pythons rats skeletons all pretty weak usually only take two hits from a sling um the ones to watch out for are wizards they can cast missile fire and worst of all reflect and then once you level up to three you might start seeing ghosts popping up uh worse than that are liches which just look like a big skull the ghosts are kind of cool they're like a blue spooky fella but these liches can cast reflect they can cast energy which is that sweet spell we talked about ice and even tremor it'll hurt everyone but well, that might sound deadly, none of these monsters, I mean, even towards the later end of the game, really do that much damage that you should ever, when you have hundreds and hundreds of hit points and, you know, a strong attack will be like 30. Yeah, like the the worst thing, um, you know, like you don't have to worry about dying usually. Um, Not really. So, yeah. yeah, so battles are, you know, the only way they frustrate your progress is by making you use up resources or just taking a, a long time. Yeah. Yeah, like being put to sleep, you know, you just wait there and you're just watching them move like one square at a time, uh, you know, towards you. Yeah, um, or you'll have an enemy where it's, okay, I've killed all five. There's only one monster left, but he's way across the map and then they cast like reflect and so it's like oh crap now i gotta walk one square at a time every turn and then nine times out of ten by the time i get up there the reflect wears off and you can just shoot him anyway so it's just like <laughs> nah. and then real quick since we're going to assume we're level four now there are you'll see some demons some cool blue winged demons they can cast spells including reflect uh you'll have in the sea you can fight nixies seahorses sea serpents and squids they all have ranged attacks or i guess the seahorse can cast missile and the aforementioned pirates so yeah i i really like the enemies in this game at least 
I, I think they have cool little sprites, and I, I just wanted to talk about where we're at since this game doesn't have discrete areas that you're you do in order. You know, you you're free to roam the whole world, including the final town, Magencia, which is a, a pretty interesting town. Um, this is the the starting town of the Shepherd, and this is famous because there's a bit of a story behind it where. I guess the eighth virtue used to be pride, and that was based here, and then it got destroyed, and it, now it's humility. And this is a weird town because it's full of poison, and there's lots of the aforementioned monster sprites walking around. But, and you can talk to them, and I don't know if they give you like extra humility points for talking to them, but um, I don't know. Since we read that last week, I went back and did some experimentation, and I found that... Because I always had problem getting my humility up a bit, but if you just keep talking to everyone you come across, no matter whether you know it or not, it it really helps work. So, and that that applies here too. There's not really anything else in Magencia though, besides the shepherdess, you know, talking to people, you getting can, some points. You can get the that that flute, the sleep mm -hmm. flute here, and if you have the key, you can get the robe armor for the the shepherd. But if if you're not really worried yeah. about it, there's not a lot. This is kind of the <laughs> the least of the towns and destinations in a way okay so um we finished up uh, all of the virtuous towns so yeah. that means you know all the towns where the different characters live and that are associated with you know runes and stones and things you know getting you to avatar hood but there are other towns that you can get to that have uh, other benefits yeah these towns are not situated near moon gates. I mean, you can still use them to get kind of close, but these are towns you're going to have to walk or sail to, generally. Tell me about one of these towns, Abby. Hmm? Well, uh, one of the towns, I think we might have mentioned some stuff that you can find here already. Uh, it's called the Buccaneer's Den, and it's located on an island. Yeah. Um, it is the town of pirates, uh, so you need to get a ship to sail there. And something about ships that uh, didn't say before, landing a ship, it's it's just pulling up to a, any coast. <laughs> any just, coast or anything, you just walk right off your boat. Just ram into the land and you're yeah, good to go. Yeah, so you'll ram a boat into the island where the Buccaneer's Den is located. Okay, so like other towns, there's a weapon shop and an armor shop. And what can you get there, Nick? Well, at the weapon shop, you can get some expensive fare. You can get the X bow for fourteen hundred, the plus one bow, the plus one sword, and the wand. So pricey fare all around. Yeah, and then some pricey armor too. What do you got? Plus one chain and plus one plate, if it please you. Mm -hmm. And then here we've got an item shop. I don't think we've come across an item shop at all. Yeah, and this is where you can buy just like generic items such as the torch, gem, and oil, but most importantly is the key for 2000 gold so you have to get this eventually and also there's a reagent store too yeah and this is kind of cool because you'll get a clue from a townsfolk that if you press select when you're at the herb shop it'll allow you to purchase manroot which is one of the two kind of hidden ones although it's very expensive it's 20 gold which is more than twice as much as the next highest priced herb. But so stock up. Uh, some clues that you're going to get here, um, not related to um, any avatar stuff per se, like not associated with any virtue, but you're going to learn about something called the Skull of Mondaine. And, yeah. Yeah. And where, you know, that is located. That's a, an evil item that I think Mondaine was one of the previous big bads from a previous Ultima. And it's a. It's a magic item that 
you don't ever want to use you, you'll need it for a certain purpose later but if you use it it'll just i mean you can use it in a battle it'll kill everything but if you use it in a town it'll kill all the people <laughs> like it's it's pretty yeah. cool that you can do it uh but what do you think that does to your avatar hood it's not good yeah. so stay away from that you also learn about an item called the silver horn and that it's located mm. on another island that's uh near the the city of magentia yeah it's to the north you, you just need that to get to the shrine of humility it's pretty tough to to get to you know we'll talk about that probably next week but there's a screen where it starts throwing monsters tough ones like not level appropriate monsters at you every step on the way to the shrine but if you use the silver horn it'll protect you so you you'll really want that another location it's called the cove this place is a uh, tricky to get to i know that you can you know later on we'll get a hot air balloon so you can mm. sail over to it but it's in like this kind of treacherous area you can't walk to it over land no so it's, it's either land there in the hot air balloon or you can take a ship there but only if you encounter a whirlpool in yeah. the middle of the ocean it, there's a whirlpool out there it moves around it's, it can be tough to find so I don't usually even mess with it. I usually wait and do the hot air balloon. But this town is pretty close to the Shrine of Compassion. You just can't make it there. There's kind of an inland cove, if you will. <laughs> but it's blocked from the sea by these like reefs. So you, you can't just sail in there. There's no... Um, see, I don't even think of this as a town. There's no shops of any kind. There's no inns. No, it's... Healers. Um, but there's people here that you can talk to. So they're going to give you some clues about locations of, um, what, some stones? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, yeah, yeah. And importantly, you can get the candle of love here. You, you won't need it. I mean, obviously, we can't quite get there yet. But whenever you do get here, it's one of the few items they tell you not to, to go ahead and take it. It's okay because you need the, the candle of love. I think it's the Book of Truth, the Candle of Love, and the Bell of Courage. And you use those to enter the final area, the, the Stygian Abyss. So you'll have to find and collect these eventually. Mm -hmm. Any more unvirtuous towns? There is. There's the cutest one, which is called Paws. P-A-W-S. Yeah, and this one, you know, it's easy to find. It's just north of, of Trinsic. This is where you can find the Rune of Humility in a, like a stable. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got some shops here, uh, armor shop and reagent shop. Yeah, the armor, you can get ring plus one cloth and plus one chain. Um, you can get a spell recipe, reflect. And a clue about um, the rune of spirituality and that it's in Castle Britannia. Mm, that's right. Yeah, this is where you get that clue. So pretty crazy. Then we've got Vesper. Yeah, I, I ride my Vesper all around Italy. <laughs> 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 Um, so in Vesper, we've got, uh, there is an inn here, a uh, weapon shop where you can get a bow, the X-bow, and a sword. So kind of yeah. weird, you know, kind of low-level stuff. Um, and then also an item shop, which they call them guild shops in the game, but it's where you buy items. But this is where you can buy, you know, just the regular stuff, torch, gem, key, oil. But you can also buy the sextant here. And that mm -hmm. is an item that is going to let you know your exact longitude and latitude. And sometimes you'll get clues as to, you know, something is located at this, you know, at XY. And you can use the sextant to tell where you are and how to get to that place. Yeah, very valuable. Um, it's only 900 gold, so a little cheaper than, say, the key and stuff. But this is a town that's just mainly full of different 
clues. You get some hints and stuff. So it's a good place to go and talk. Mm-hmm. Chat it up. So now that we're experienced world travelers, we've been to all the towns there are to see, but we're going to take a rest on our journeys for this week. Um, yep, we've got to assemble and uh, arrange all these clues <laughs> so that when we come back, we can start executing uh, some missions to get us to Avatarhood and uh, winning the game. Absolutely. We have plenty more to talk about. There's some castles to explore, and we'll, we'll talk about those principles we keep putting off, as well as little genre chat. Thanks, everyone, for joining us on this journey. Yeah, yeah, we appreciate it. Um, if we made any mistakes or omissions, you can always let us know at cartridgecommand@gmail.com. We'll read it and maybe respond. Um, <laughs> well, how will we know what we're doing unless we get clues from from listeners? That's true. That's true. Help us help ourselves get better at our virtues by emailing us or, you know, drop us a line on cart command at Twitter and as well as Facebook. All those great sites. Plenty of communication tools are in both of our hands. And as always, we must thank our generous patrons. Mm, yeah, they're all cool. At least that's what I would think. Yeah. I mean, for the most part. <laughs> They're cool, um, virtuous ones indeed, because they all share. Yeah, if there if there was a <laughs> virtue of uh, generosity, then... Compassion, right? They're all compassionate. Uh, mm-hmm. They all got to be do great. You gotta, guys and gals should probably cruise by a shrine of compassion and get your partial avatar hood, because I'm sure you deserve it, because we, we sure appreciate um, your hard-earned gold pieces and such that you share with us on Patreon. It's great. And so are ye. And, as always, adventurers, game on! Game on! Game on! Oh. Are we doing? This potent. Mm, yes. Yep. We sure are talking. Yep. How's that uh funny stuff? Say something funny for the end, huh? Say something funny for the end. Huh? Oh, okay. I guess. Ugh. <laughs> <Set myself. laughs> ah, no. Okay. Um, okay.